Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Morning, morning. Hope you're all doing great. My favorite month, October. Spectacular, beautiful. Great to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I wanted to, I brought someone with me today. You know, I often tell young men and women before they're married, uh, when they're looking for someone to marry, to find someone who loves Jesus more than they love them. Because if they will do that, you find a person that loves Jesus more than they love you, then they're going to love you really well and everything's going to be in the right alignment. And, um, you know, the greatest gift I've said to my wife, this is my wife, Debbie, my greatest gift I'd say uh, to her, to me, that she's given to me is her love for Jesus and following him from the day we got married till now and being in love with him more than me. And that is so powerful and it's so helpful and everything else then fits together in the right way. Um, but she is an overcomer. She's uh, a gifted communicator, been a teacher for over 20 years. We have five children, and uh, she's our children's pastor, and a gift to me and to us as well. So I want you to uh, welcome my beautiful wife, Debbie Peterson. She's going to share with you. Okay, this is my family, and um, starting from the left, is Seth, and then you know Matt and myself, and that's my son Josiah, he's the oldest. That's his wife, Gracie. Then we have John, Sam, and Andrew. So if you've been here a while, you know my kids, but people are always saying, who's who? So there's who's who. Um, Seth, you see the most, who's next to Matt, and then the two on the end, Sam and Andrew, are here a lot. And then John goes to NC State, and he's gonna be arriving here this morning. At some point, yeah, Wolfpack, go Wolfpack. Okay, well, I hope you're all doing well. Today I'm going to actually talk about the word hope, um, actually a living hope. That's what the Bible says. It says we have a living hope, not just a regular hope. You know, in the world, hope means it's my wish, it's my highest aim. Sometimes it's a long shot, and I don't really have a lot of, you know, thought that it's going to happen, but in the Bible, hope means something totally different. So we're gonna unpack that today. Um, you know, they say that the easiest way to change a culture is to change the culture's vocabulary. So my goal today is to change the vocabulary hope, that vocabulary word, and to give us a new idea about our, our Bible. Okay, so let's jump into that. Um, in our culture right now, words are changing all the time. And it's with the goal, it's not just aimless. There is a goal in mind to change the meaning of words in our culture, to change our culture. And right now, an example of that is the word kindness. You know, I grew up with the word kindness, and you did too, and it meant, you know, preferring others and being, looking over, overlooking harm that has been done to you and thinking of nice ways to bless people. And that word has changed to mean more of the word tolerant. It means mm, be kind and when 
the culture has shifted and is now calling evil good and good evil, be quiet and be kind. Do you know this is happening? Um, and so when people say, do you believe in kindness? You think, what does it mean to you? Like we can no longer just think that words mean what we're used to them meaning, right? And in the kingdom, we've gotten used to words like hope and hope just seems kind of wishy-washy and it's really not that kind of a word in the Bible. Hope, living hope, is a very certain expectation that we're supposed to have. It's an expectation of a fulfillment of good, of certainty. And we're going to um, look at some scriptures. I got a new iPad, and I, this is my first time using that. That's probably not a good idea. Um, <laughs> um, so... Um, we're going to first talk about something else that's called living. Your Bible is called a living book. I know of no other book in the world that's called alive and living. Right? You know the scripture is coming up here. It's Hebrews. It, the, the word says this book, your Bible, it's alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. Um, it also says it penetrates, even dividing joint... Okay. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Okay, so this book, it's alive. It's active. It's not just like um, Withering Heights. I don't, I don't even know that book, but another book. Um, it, it, and you know that it is if you've read that book for any length of time because you can read a same verse a hundred times and it's speaking something different to you depending on the season that you're in. Isn't it? You're like, oh, I never had that thought before. Well, you probably didn't have that thought. The Holy Spirit inside of you <laughs> opened you up to that thought because this book is alive. It's always speaking to you. I had this experience when I was a brand new believer. The first time I, I guess I wouldn't have had the words that my Bible is alive, but someone was speaking to me about my need. It was someone who was involved in a cult, and they were saying, you cannot read the Bible by yourself. You need a group of people telling you what the Bible means. This person was involved in a Jehovah Witness faith. And immediately in my spirit, I heard, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. I went home that day and I looked in my Bible to find that that really was in the Bible. I don't remember reading it. I never memorized that verse. But because that book is alive and the Holy Spirit's inside of me, that scripture came right to me. Right, And so we know that this book, the Bible, is alive. And today I want to talk about some scriptures that talk about hope is alive too. And can I have that first one from 1 Peter? It says, we are reborn to experience a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, the reason we have a living hope that's alive inside of us, is because of the resurrection of the dead. That might mean nothing to you, but I hope to unpack that today because I've spent time thinking on this. Um, 1 Peter 3, uh, 3.15 also says, if anyone asks about this living hope inside of you, always be ready to explain your faith with gentleness and respect. I love that gentleness and respect. We're never supposed to be know-it-alls. We're never supposed to be pushing it down people's throats. 
gentleness and respect. Everyone's on a journey. Everyone has a reason why they're not, they keep God this far away, right? They've had some kind of experience. Or this keeps falling off my ear. Um, they've had some kind of experience or some kind of um, introduction to God that's not real, that's not right. And so we want gentleness and respect with all people that we share faith with. But if you've never heard the gospel before, it's very simple. I'm telling you the reason for my living hope on the inside. It's that the requirement for eternal life is perfection. To be with God forever, the requirement is perfection. And everyone falls short except Jesus. He lived a perfect life, and he died a criminal's death. It would be our equivalent of the electric chair. He did it in our place, and he offers it to us, and he says, you could not live the life you needed to, to to earn heaven yourself. I couldn't stand to be without you. I came here. I lived it. And you, every single person in this room has to have a marked moment where they say, I receive what Jesus did in my place, in faith. And that's calling. Of course, the enemy likes to make vocabulary words weird and odd, that's called being born again. It's the most beautiful thing, and that's why he's worked so hard on that word. When you are born again, that means I in faith have said, God, I receive the gift that you did it in my place, and now I in return give you my life. And then the Bible says you are born again into a new family. We're a family here where you get to be in relationship with God. And it doesn't end there. Now comes where I'm talking today about a living hope. Then, not only did God live a perfect life through Jesus, and die a criminal's death, he rose again from the dead. And that's a very important part that he rose again because the prophets foretold that he would rise again and other reasons we're gonna get into in a minute. But the resurrection, I was just thinking about today, standing over there, a thought that I never had in my whole life, that God didn't need to let us see let anybody be a witness to Jesus rising from the dead. Isn't that an amazing thought? Like, Jesus could have rose from the dead and not made a pit stop on earth to show 500 people plus that he rose from the dead and he overcame the power of death. But it was all just more and more and more for God to show his faithfulness and his power that he made this pit stop on earth to show he has the power over death. It could have required more faith on our part if, if that was never foretold, that he would rise from the dead, and we would just have to have a belief that it happened or that he had power over death, but he lets us be a part of it. Do you know that people in the first century died because they had people they knew who witnessed personally that Jesus rose from the dead, and they were willing to become living human torches for that belief. They have people who are non-believers that wrote about these things, and they just journaled it, you know, just as a part of history. These people that call themselves Christians, they are willing to die a, a martyr's death because they claim that they either themselves or knew someone who saw him rise from the dead. It's an amazing, um, another piece in our surety of our faith, isn't it? Um, so can I take a little side note here, a little side trail that I think is really fascinating? Um, you know, when I was a brand new believer, 
Someone really close to me became a new believer as well, but this person became a Jehovah's Witness in my family. And um, so as I was just new in God, this person was new too, and there was this challenge going on back and forth that was really difficult at times. Okay, and so this person was challenging me often about the resurrection, okay? And um, so, and also, as you know, like a lot of different faiths, people don't believe Jesus is God. Do you know this is true? And the Trinity. And when I first came to know the Lord, the first thing that this person said was, why do you believe in the Trinity? It's nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible is the word Trinity. Do you know that that's true? That word never appears in the Bible. So why do I believe in it? I was like, oh, gee whiz. I don't really know. And so I did a deep dive of learning about the Trinity. And here's one thing that um, I discovered. It's a very interesting thing to share with someone if someone is really considering um, Jesus, if they're open to believing that Jesus is really God. Um, and it all has to do with the resurrection, what I'm talking about today. Um, so if you... If you're posed this question like, who, rose Jesus, who, who raised Jesus from the dead? What, who do you think did? God? The Spirit? Is there a place where Jesus says he raised himself from the dead? There is. He says, if you destroy this temple in three days, I'm going to raise it back up again. Right? And there's a part where, and I have these scriptures here if you want to look at them. In Acts it says, God raised Jesus to life and we are all witnesses to it. And then he also says in John 10, 18, no one takes it from me. This is Jesus talking, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. And then in Romans 8 it says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body because of his spirit who lives in you. And I just, I just felt to share this today, if anyone struggles with that, like if you were raised with this belief that Jesus is not God, I just wanted to, um, I must have a funny shaped ear. <laughs> this thing keeps falling off. Okay. Um, God hides mysteries in the Bible for us to seek out. And so if, anything, if I learned anything from that season, it's to not freak out if someone knows something that you don't know and they sound really smart. Um, you don't, and there's, there's a place of not arguing, of just saying, I really don't know about that, and I'm just going to step away and kind of learn about that. These people who have... Uh, been the fathers of our faith for years. They weren't willy-nilly and just threw things out. I mean, they really gave their lives to give us the foundation of what Christianity has believed for years. And for any young people, you, my kids have been challenged at school um, by other faiths of why they believe Jesus is God, and it's solid. It's solid in our Bible that Jesus really is God, and um, he rose from the dead. Okay, so we have this living hope on the inside called the Holy Spirit. And we have this living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to keep saying that because I want us to make that connection to living hope and the resurrection of Jesus. No other faith has a leader 
who overcame death. No one. No one. We have the best one. <laughs> we have the best leader. He overcame death, right? And he overcame death, and then he said, I'm not going to keep that power just to myself. I'm going to share it with my children. And then he fills us up with the Spirit. Okay, so we can live from that living hope. It's alive. It's talking to us all the time. It's helping us get free. We can live from that place because Jesus rose from the dead and filled us with that spirit that overcame death. Okay, so you'd think, well, hey, I'll never have any problems then. I've got God living on the inside, but I've found that to not be true because I brought this suitcase today, and this is going to be a picture of, like, my life. Me on the inside. Just picture that beautiful suitcase right there. And inside are the parts of me. Okay? Nice looking suitcase on the outside. My brother actually designed this suitcase. It's called Tatch. It has these little Velcro things that attach other luggage to it. I'm pretty impressed by them, actually. But inside this suitcase are all kinds of things that belong to me. Okay, we're thinking about, from my ancestors, all the wonderfulness that was passed down to me, the things that my family fought for. Think about you, too. You have your own suitcase. Everything your family fought for and taught you when you were growing up, everything they fought for in their faith to pass down to you, all that they overcame, all the demonic they cast out, all the strongholds they cast down, right, and tore down. Some of you have a really better suitcase that you started out with than others if you come from generations of strong faith. You think that's true? I do. I've witnessed it. Matt got a really good suitcase. <laughs> and he's worked to keep great things alive, too. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you some things that are in my suitcase. Okay, in my suitcase, there was all kinds of love from my family, faith, kindness, all the beautiful things. And I had a beautiful family. But my family, um, I'm the first one that I know of in my family that is born again, okay? And so what I realized as I went on in life a little while, there were some funky stuff in there too that I never knew that was in there. Is anyone relating to this? As you get older and older, you're like, wow, I think about things not the right way. That's not what the Bible says. I have somehow created these ideas in my mind. I, um, I would say that, you know, I grew up with a sister. And if you've grown up with a sister, you can learn that there's competition. Okay, that's one thing. That's a, a clowny thing. You're, you learn competition with other women. We got to get rid of that thing. We're not in competition with each other. We all were made special. We all have our own giftings. We're supposed to be inspirations to other women, and they are to us. So that's one thing I had to get rid of. Okay, and here's some more things. You, you name your own things, okay? Another thing there was was jealousy in my family, jealousy of each other. And I didn't know that that wasn't right to have until it gets bigger and bigger in your life. You're like, oh, this isn't serving me well. And I'm going to tell you the worst thing that I have in my suitcase. Oh, it's already deflated. But... 
This was the spirit of fear, okay? I was born with a spirit of fear. I have no doubt about it. Um, as I, and I'm going to build something right here. Okay, this is what I'm building right here. The Bible talks about if you have a demonic spirit, whether you were born with anger, you were born with self-pity, you were born with fear, you were, someone didn't take care of it along the way probably because they didn't know how, right? And you were born with things that had nothing to do with you, but you're going to be the one that's going to take care of it. It's our responsibility to take care of it or else we just keep passing things along, right? Wrong ways of thinking. And so this is called a stronghold. I had a stronghold of fear. Okay, so I'm going to build something here. Okay. And this would be like, I was raised with thoughts like, um, if, if you have a fear of something, you should listen to it because it's trying to protect you and you should do everything that it says so that that thing doesn't happen. Anyone relating to this? I had another thing that moms worry because they're good moms. Good moms worry because they care. That was a, that's another piece of my stronghold. Then, if you've ever been through trauma and you've had a great loss in your life, and my parents died when I was a young girl, and I was put in a very um, difficult situation in the next house that I went to, and I learned that when I had fear, if I controlled the situation, everything was going to be okay. So I learned how to control situations so everything went fine. And then you can bring that into the next phase of life when you don't need to control things anymore, but then you do. Because that's what you've done your whole life. You've controlled, and everything turned out right, and you think the reason it turned out right was because of me. I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> I hope I'm not alone in all this. Okay, and so this is called a stronghold. The Bible calls it a fortress of thoughts. And we all, as, I, as far as I know, I bet we have at least small little fortresses that we need to take care of. We have thoughts that we live from that cause us to get in situations and we think like, wow, how did I get to this situation? It's okay. God says you cast out the demons and you tear down the strongholds. So I want to tell you how I tore down some of my strongholds, Okay. This was a doozy, I'm telling you. I, um, if you've been here long, you know part of my story. You know, the, the, um, God gives signs. When I got into um, a really dark space in my life, um, I was not sleeping. I, I went eight years sleeping two hours a night with never an exception. I slept two hours a night every, every night. I had so much anxiety, so much fear, and um, someone gave me a prophetic word, and this was the word. I realize now it's a sign, and that there's a difference between a prophetic word and a sign. This person said, I'm going to tell, it was a girlfriend of mine, she said, this is going to sound so weird, but I'm going to say it just like it came to me. A butterfly is going to alight upon your hand, and it is going to be a sign that God is going to bring you through to victory in this season you're in. I was like, thank you so much for that word. 
And I was like, I don't know what the word alight means, for one. So I had to look it up, and it means land. And um, so I was picturing, like, one day this butterfly is going to land on my hand, and I'm going to gather up the faith to believe that that butterfly landed, and everything is going to be okay. My kids went to the zoo that weekend. I didn't tell anybody this word but Matt. My kids went to the zoo that weekend, and they came home with this little floppy butterfly. And it was a ring, and it lit up. And they said, Mom, I bought you this ring. And they put it on my hand, and the whole butterfly lit up. And I burst into tears because it was a sign that God was giving me supernaturally that this was not my forever state, right? And so we have to. There are many people... I'm sure in this room, some of us that are desperate to know that God is going to bring us through this thing that we just haven't been able to get through. And we need to be, stay in a place of asking God to show us things, and we need to stay, get outside of this so that we can be hands and feet for each other. And if God shows you something for someone and you say, I don't ever say this word, a light, you say it just how he said it. And because it could be someone's sign for what they need, a breakthrough. And I want to grow in that. We had a staff retreat this weekend, and um, we practiced giving signs to, to each other, just being quiet and, and giving people words like that. Um, also, when I was in this deep, dark place, someone, I became angry at this, actually, because I had been in this dark place for a while, and someone said, the Lord showed me you're supposed to meet, read the Emancipation Proclamation. And I thought, oh, a history lesson in the middle of my darkness. And then this person said, do you know what it's about? And I said, I used to teach history, and it's about keeping the union together and about freeing the slaves. And so she said, okay, union and freedom. I think God's really talking to us about union and freedom. Now, I just thought, I was in a terrible health crisis. I never thought anything had to do spiritually with God helping me to a new place. But really, remember, fear was overtaking me. And so my friend went to the library, and she took this picture. She said, Debbie, the library says union and freedom on it. We are really supposed to dig into that. And so she said, pay attention to dates. And so I looked up. I just picked randomly. I thought randomly the Emancipation Proclamation, and three dates were underlined. One was my wedding date, July 22nd, think of union. The next one was underlined randomly, was freedom, and that was the day I stopped sleeping. And then the third one was January 1st, which speaks of a new beginning. And so that was my first tearing down of my stronghold of believing that God could free me from this fear that I had. And it came from a supernatural place. And from there, I had so many other things that God spoke to me. One time, someone said to me, um, the number 40, are you almost 40? And I said, yes. And they said, I think the number 40 is going to be significant to you, that year of your 40th year. And so I tucked that in my pocket. And then a friend called who's named Robin McMillan, some of you know him. He called me one day, and as soon as... My kids saw Robin on the back porch, and the phone rang, and I said, hello, 
no, and my kid said, what kind of bird is that? I said, a robin. And I answered the phone, and Robin goes, hey, Debbie, this is Robin. And I was like, hey, Robin. Um, he said, the Lord just gave me a vision of you. Matt has the number 40 on his back of the Washington Redskins team, and you're supposed to follow him wherever he goes. He said, does the number 40 mean anything to you? I said, well, someone just told me my 40th birthday was going to mean something to me and that the number 40 means the end of it all. In the Bible, 40 days, 40 nights, the end of it all, you know, and the number 40 means the end of something. And so I speak to wives that have husbands that you can trust. That was me digging deeper into that scripture that says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Because when a fear would come to me, I started going, Matt, is that crazy? He'd go, mm-hmm. And I'd go, okay. And I would stop in my tracks instead of trying to figure it out in my mind. And that was another tearing down of my stronghold. And this, I opened myself up to God continuously showing me what the strategy was to tearing this thing down. And the final one was we, um, we lived at this house called 2340 Olivet Church Road. And when I, we moved into that house, I made a proclamation in myself. I said, when I live in this house, this is going to be the time that I give God all of it. Like the name of the road was all of it. And um, one day we were driving down the road and fear came to me. It's just like, it's kind of like, have you ever seen those, if you have kids, slappy hands? It's just like this little hand and you can, it smacks to something. Have you ever seen these things and you have to kind of peel them off? Sometimes fear comes to me like that. What's your thing? Like, or anger, or self-pity, or whatever these strongholds that try to stay in our life. It's like you get a thought, and you're like, ooh, okay. I recognize that spirit that that's coming in, or that kind of the patterns of that thought, you recognize it, right? Whatever the thing that tries to get on you. And um, you, we don't have, we have a part to play. I hear people pray sometimes and they say, God, will you take away all the, the, the strongholds, take away all the lies, all the deceptions? He doesn't do it that way. He doesn't just take it all away. I, I, he, he is our helper. He gives us the power, but we definitely have a part to play. And so I don't participate in those kind of prayers because I feel it sets up people for defeat. I didn't wake up one day and not have fear ever again. I didn't just go, whew, glad that's over. Let me just keep living my life. I had to learn strategy. When fear would come, I would go, oh, I recognize that spirit. I'm not touching that, and it will fall off like that slappy hand. When it says, what if? I would go, mm, okay, it's going to go. I cast it down. I didn't use any mind space for it because it would entangle me. Here's what it does. It, when, I, when I give attention to it, it goes, and this little uh, thread of just tangled ball just is right there then. And I'm like, mm, I'm not going to untangle that. Clip, it's gone. But we have a part to play. When you feel that familiar spirit come and start talking to you, you don't touch it. You cast it down. And then you keep doing the work. You keep going, God, if there's anything inside of me that's still connected to that thing, still believes that thing, will you remove that from me? In the meantime, I'm going to keep, keep walking and keep casting it down and keep believing truth and keep be, believe, uh, speaking scripture.
because we have a part to play. You better believe we have a part to play. That thing is coming to steal, kill, and destroy you. But you have all power to tear down that stronghold, all those familiar ways of thinking, and to cast out the demonic, right? That's there. That's been passed down, possibly. Or you develop those thoughts if you participated in some things. And I'm not speaking evil of your ancestors. I'm just saying people oftentimes haven't taken care of things and they didn't know they weren't taking care of things. Okay, the Lord opened up that word meantime to me recently. Think about that word meantime. Because I was praying about something and I was like, okay, God, I keep waiting. What do you want me to do in the meantime? I was like, meantime. That is such a meantime, isn't it? That waiting when you're believing for something, it can be a mean time. The enemy's trying to tell you the opposite. Where's God? And you're waiting. But what we do is we look behind so we can look ahead. I look behind and I remember, oh, God, remember when that butterfly landed on my finger? Remember when you gave me that 40 word? Remember when... And I have all these remember wins. And I go back there and I steal all those things so I can go forward with this living hope that's expectant, it's alive, and I can trust. While he's, while he's cleaning out this suitcase, right? We, in, this, in the place that we live, we have special words for, for things. Remember this vocabulary, I'm going back to this thing, where someone can say, oh, I lost my cool. I lost my cool. I just lost it. No, that was anger, right? If you're someone who has maybe a spirit of rejection, it might come out as you do all this talking constantly. You never stop talking, 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 talking. And that's just the outcome of a spirit of rejection. And you might say, oh, I just love to talk. I just get excited about things I'm talking about. No, no, no. There's something that God wants to get to if you overrun everyone all the time and you talk all the time. God's getting to a spirit inside of you. That's just the outflow of it. You know, if people run when you're coming to them, you have something to take care of. (laughs) And people aren't being nice to you if they call it other things, right? If they just say, oh, you're just a good mom, you worry. Help your friends. Help people. It is so hard, and people may never talk to you again if you do this. I'll just warn you. I'm getting too old for this stuff, though. When people say things, I had someone say to me recently, the reason I interrupt and I talk all the time is because I'm just excited about what I have to say. And I went, oh, are you going to say something? Can I, can I share my own story with you, I said? I had something that I just called, I called something else, but it was really a spirit. It was fear. It was tormenting me. It was, it was interrupting all my life behaviors. And if someone didn't say to me, I think you're struggling with a spirit of fear. Can I help you? Then I would still be calling it other things. So what are you calling your thing? And I'm telling you, if we abide in his word... We will know the truth, and the truth will make us free. But we've got to be abiding in the word so we can call things what God calls them, and he doesn't do it to be mean, and we're not doing it to be mean. We're doing it because we want to be free. 
right? And sometimes that takes someone who really loves you to pull you aside and say, I see this pattern in your life. Can I speak into your life? I, I feel like I have some clarity on it. And the best part is if you've struggled with it yourself. When people have fear, I say to people, can I share my story with you? Because I used to have those same patterns. It came from trauma. It came from people giving different vocabulary to fear. And this is how I overcame. God helped me. Right? Have you ever thought we need Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to be free? <laughs> we need all of it. That's how much is involved in being a free person. And we need to apply all of it. So I just encourage you to look into your suitcase and say, Lord, what is in there that I've been calling something else? And you want to share something about how that got there. I promise he'll be so loving and kind and there for you. But there's going to be some work and some honesty and some change of ways. But it is so worth it. And finally, what I'm going to say is I never, like, overcame this, and then I went on and lived the same way I lived before. Every day I use those same things that I learned because those things keep stick. They keep coming. What if... You should do this to control the situation because then it'll be okay. Those are all still things that are temptations that come to me, and I have to apply all the things I learned to stay free. But freedom is such a beautiful place. And we can help others get free too. So let's pray. God, thank you that you've given us everything for life and godliness. Life and godliness. Everything. And I pray for my brothers and sisters today. I pray that each one of us will continuously seek you when things come up that we know we're crooked in some way, we need an alignment, we need an adjustment, we come to you and say, God, what is this? Lord, help us ask you what it is, and I ask for faithful people around us to help us. I pray that you'd give us a new mind to see things how you see them. I pray, God, that you would give us these signs and wonders to show us we're on the right track. And give us words and wisdom of how to undo things that were sewn up the wrong way inside of us. Stitch us free from those wrong stitchings. Stitch us upright. Give us faith and hope when we're being restitched. God, I pray for each person to have an encounter with you as they are faithful to say, God, I am an open book. Please show me how to be the freest person I can be. Thank you for your goodness and faithfulness, God. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.